Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It has been a weird time, weird offseason for the NFL, but the Washed Up Has Been's podcast is back up and running. Joining me, Alec Martinez, your host, is the man, Tyler Gibson. Tyler, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking football. Yes, yes. Thankful for that. Hey, you know, I got, I, I've already said, you know, I, I love baseball, I love basketball, I love hockey, I love sports, but... Don't take football away from me. You can take the other ones. If that's a sacrifice I have to make, okay, but do not take football away from me. Yeah, I think we've all learned, you know, that life can go on thus far through the sports that we have been missing, but uh, I do think it would be a little bit tougher uh, I'm, get t- along. I'm, I'm tired of watching Costa Rican soccer and Korean baseball. It's just... <laughs> Uh, but why don't we go ahead and jump into things? We're not going to cover all of the news and notes that's happened this off season. You know, Tyler and I had a a plan for the off season. And everything kind of got a wrench thrown in those plans. But we are going to cover a couple things just that have happened recently that we we think are uh, important. Uh, first one in the last month: Carlos Hyde signing with the, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I think that's big for two reasons. The number one means it didn't he didn't sign with with Philadelphia and that's big for Miles Sanders who we are going to talk about later Uh, but I also think that that's big for Chris Carson I don't think that they would have signed Carlos Hyde if a Richard Penny was as you know was healthy enough to play that tells me he's going to start off on the pup Mm -hmm. and it tells me that maybe Chris Carson either isn't as healthy as he would like to be or maybe they they just don't feel comfortable giving uh, Chris Carson the workload that he should have with DJ Dallas behind him and uh, Travis Homer. Well, I think that uh, I think it definitely says more about Rashad Penny's situation um, than it does about Chris Carson's. But that being said, they did obviously still feel the need to do that, even though they drafted, you know, DJ Dallas. So it's uh, it's definitely has some interesting implications that we don't know exactly how it's going to shake out yet. But you did have Carlos Hyde saying everybody knows that Chris Carson's the starter um, so, you know, we'll see. Just maybe uh, proceed with caution when you're looking at Chris Carson. Some other news. Dalvin Cook uh, has decided to hold out, said he's not going to participate in any team activities until he gets a new contract. Not surprised with, with the way the modern NFL is work, working. You know, it's pretty common for running backs to do so. Does this it's, – it's, we're in June. Are you scared in redrafts come come late August? Um, well, I guess we'll just have to see how this plays out. You know, if it gets ugly like Melvin Gordon's, which honestly this has kind of started out that way just with hearing the numbers on the two sides where Dalvin Cook was wanting to get something more in the range of 16 and uh, the Vikings had only offered something around 10, I think. I read, I read that that was a, a little bit of a misleading offer that he was asking for I've heard that he wants more in the 13 to 14 range but either way they're not close well this is the time that you know you're gonna see the agent putting out stuff and this and that and you know they're just trying to win the the battle of uh of the public and just see if they can get momentum on their side get some pressure on the club to sign him to what he wants you know like hey we need to get this guy back we're still got our championship window um but you know We've seen it play out Zeke's way, and we've seen it play out Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon's way, so it's never fun to go through as an owner. Uh, and, you know, uh, just once again, you know, you're either going to get a steal with him in uh, redraft if he's still holding out, or you're going to get bit in the, bit in the ass like uh, Le'Veon Bell 
did a few years ago. So, if you're if you are a dynasty owner and you have Dalvin Cook right now, are you holding on to him? <laughs> if you're if you're you're not in a rebuild, you're a competing dynasty owner. You're looking to win this year. Do you move Dalvin Cook for someone like I don't know uh, Miles Sanders or uh, maybe go a little bit lower, David Montgomery? Um, you know, win a little bit of a package deal. Do you, would you consider moving Dalvin Cook if you're if you're content? I think if you're in a rebuild, you hold on. To Dalvin I'm not. Cook. Um, I'm not moving him at a discount for sure. But I'm definitely willing to hear talks on it. Um, I personally, right now, you know, have uh, been talking to the Dalvin Cook owner in our dynasty league. I'd like to get my hands on him, um, and I've got an appetite for that for that risk would be fine with me because I do think that he gets a contract done but you know um, I can't tell you that I'm the most first person with the Vikings front office and uh, I I don't think they get a deal done I I don't think they will I think he's been injured too often uh, for them to give him a lot of money Alexander Madison did well Mike Boone did well Um, so I, I don't I don't see them giving him I don't I personally if I'm a Vikings fan, I wouldn't want him to give him a contract because that's money you're taking away from other areas of the team when you've proven to have a competent backup. Who, and, and you put a full 16 games in Alexander Madison, I mean, you're looking at a James Conner, Le'Veon Bell situation, in my opinion. Yeah. And so I, I personally don't think he'll get a contract done. Whether he decides to show up anyway, that's up in the air. Um, yeah, I, I just it's something you're just going to have to uh, take a look at. I mean, I think he's a – He's a talented enough player that, you know, for the right deal, I would trade for him. But like I said, if I owned him, I'm not taking – I'm not doing a discount on him right now just yet. You know, just going to have to wait and see. Okay, Dallas Cowboys news. First one, Dak Prescott still hasn't signed a contract. Uh, I'm a, we're Cowboys fans. We're right here in the Dallas area. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who to blame. I think that both sides are being – have just they just can't come to an agreement. I think most people at this point the narrative is that Dak is being greedy. I don't necessarily disagree, but I don't necessarily agree. Uh, but I think that they they need to come to terms because this team one could have the best offense in fantasy football, yeah. and two has a chance to compete for a Super Bowl if Dak Prescott and that team is just all on board and ready to go under Mike McCarthy. Well. You know, I don't have a problem with Dak getting as much money as he can. What just gets on my nerves is just what seems now to have been such fakeness from Dak and all of this, you know, humble team stuff, and he wants to be a leader and this and that. But then he's doing things that are directly going to impact his team and his team's success, all his players. I mean, if he, you know, if they can't get on the same page, whether it be because of the COVID stuff or because he's not getting the work in with the new playbook or new offense or whatever they're incorporating in and getting familiar with those things, you know, it can have an impact on everybody on the team, whether it be they're in a contract year or if Zeke's trying to get a Russian title and they can't get the offense firing on all cylinders or anything like that. Um, So I just, I just hate to see him. uh, If he doesn't show up, Andy Dalton's a backup. Obviously, we take a hit. Off the offensive numbers all take a hit, but how big of a hit do you think they take? Um, I think that Vegas would probably only drop their projected wins by maybe one game, two max. Um, so you know you can probably expect everybody to take a fifteen to. 
20% haircut maybe at worst case scenario in terms of production, but still a productive and competent offense. Okay. The other other part of the news for the Dallas Cowboys, Zeke tested positive for COVID among other Cowboys and Texans players. We're seeing COVID kind of move south. Uh, It's kind of been the trend. Dallas is one of the – Dallas and Houston are two of the fastest-growing cities in terms of cases, uh, new cases. Uh, Does this have any impact on on football starting on time? Well, I mean, you know, I I don't know that right now you can say whether it does or not, but I do know that my feeling is – you know this could this could spread through a football locker room pretty easily. So if one guy gets it, you know he's asymptomatic. I know they're going to be doing all sorts of precautionary tests and everything, but you know these these are guys that are I I don't know. I'm sure they'll space out their locker their locker situation. Maybe go in in shifts. You know only have you know eight to ten guys in a certain area at a time or whatever. But you can't get away from you know, on the field and uh, the closeness of that. And so I I just, yeah, I don't know. For Zeke, it's good that he's going through it right now, and that's going to be great because I guess the uh, overwhelming opinion is that once you get it, you're not going to get it again. But, um, yeah, I'd I'd hate to be an owner of a player who got it and has to be quarantined for two weeks and then probably still have – miss another week on top of that um in the middle of the season so and there's just that's just going to be one of those things so this is a year to draft your handcuffs i was gonna say yeah this is a year to have the backup all right so we're gonna move into our mailbag uh tyler and i don't have we we didn't receive too many mailbag questions on our instagram uh washed up has-beens is the instagram page give us a follow uh hit like on our on our posts uh but we did ask a few guys that we know uh to, to give us a few mailbag questions, and this is what they came up with. First one uh, from Sam out of Tennessee. Uh, Sam's our, uh, in our Dynasty League. Uh, he's kind of a pain. He offers a lot of trades, but <laughs> guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, his question is, will A.J. Brown regress, and what's our, like, what's our stance on A.J. Brown's re- regression? Uh, I'm going to let you go first here because uh, I, I know I, we've talked about this, and I feel pretty highly about A.J. Brown. AJ Brown. I do have him in Dynasty. I'm pretty excited about Full that. Full disclosure. Uh, but but I'm going to let you take this one first. Well, um, you know, the the thing that we discussed earlier is, is it's funny because in two different ways we kind of got to the same number. And uh, that's pretty much we agree that he's going to regress in certain aspects of his game. But when given a full 16-game season um, with Ryan Tannehill – with being a focal point of the offense, that he's going to at least get back to where he ended last year. And uh, he ended the year with 52 receptions and uh, 1,051 yards with eight touchdowns. Now, that was on the back of 20.21 yards per catch, and that's completely unsustainable. Um, I have him still pretty uh pretty favorably going 17 yards per catch and that's that's up there with the most elite you know pass catchers you've seen but I don't have his production um in terms of his target volume going up too much I have him he had 84 targets this last season um I have him going up to 100 catching about 62 percent of those and uh, ended up with 1054 yards and he he can get eight TDs again that's that's no problem yeah so I my first thought is is I look for a comparison from you know a guy who had a, a highly efficient rookie year 
And one that came to mind was Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, 58 receptions, 917 yards, 15.8 uh, yards per catch, seven touchdowns. Uh, the efficiency there is similar to A.J. Brown's efficiency, especially in the touchdown way. In year two, Juju had 111 receptions, over 1,400 yards. His yards per catch went down to 12.8, but he still had seven touchdowns. And I think that that is a reasonable – I don't think it will be that high. I don't think – you know, that Juju was in wide receiver, you know, top wide, top six wide receiver that year, top five wide receiver. I don't see A.J. Brown falling that far. I don't think he's going to be a top five wide receiver. I do expect him to be in the fringe wide receiver one range. So uh, he had 61 targets in 11 games with Tannehill. That's 21% target share with Tannehill. He had 19 total on the year, 84 total targets. So what I did is, is last year the Titans had about 450 pass attempts with Mariota and Tannehill combined. I think that that will increase greatly. I think there will be about uh, – they average about 28 attempts per game. I think we could be looking at 32 to, to 33 this year. With Tannehill at quarterback, I think they feel more comfortable throwing the football. And so I, I put a projection of 525 attempts. That would mean 115 targets at a 22% target share. And that would project out to about 70 catches. Uh, I lowered his average yards per catch from 20 to 15 because he is a monster with the ball in his hands. He's a great yards after catch guy, so I don't see it dropping to 10 or 11. I think he's going to stay pretty high in the league in terms of yards per catch. And you're looking at 1,050 yards, which is just about exactly what he finished with last year. I think the touchdowns will be there with the more, more opportunities. He'll, you know, the more catches, he'll, he'll continue his touchdown total of seven. I don't see him, you know, I don't see him breaking the the eight to nine, ten range. If he does, you know, he's not a big, not a big receiver, so he's not a big red zone target. Like you know, especially when they have Jonu Smith, you know, Derrick Henry uh, is a is you know short yardage guy. They're going to use him more likely than than pass the ball. So I. I don't see his touchdowns going up, but I see his catches going up, his yards staying about the same. And to me, that's his, that's his floor. I, I don't see him falling or regressing below what he did last year. I think his ceiling can be, you know, a, a if they were to throw the football more, he's a top six guy. He's a guy that has a chance to break out and, you know, get somewhere in the, the 80 to 90 catch range, 1,200 yards, because he is the number one receiver there without question. There's not a lot of receivers – that lack the kind of competition that A.J. Brown does, they just don't throw the ball enough for him to get to the the, the part the point you would like to see him be if you're going to take him you know as a as a top six receiver. So I think that and I think he's going a little bit higher than he probably should in some drafts. Uh, but I think that if I were to get him as my wide receiver two, I would be very very happy. If he is my wide receiver one, then I'd probably compliment him with a couple of other. Uh, you know, the way I see it, if I'm taking A.J. Brown in the second round, I'm probably going to try to take another receiver in the third to compliment him. Uh, but I, I'm big on A.J. Brown. I don't see him regressing from his totals from last year. I just see him getting them in a, in a little bit different way, not necessarily based on the efficiency. Uh, second question comes from Kenny out of Midland. He actually gave us two questions. I think both are pretty easy to answer. First one was in a redraft standard league or – PPR league, uh, basically not super flex. Are there any first round quarterbacks this year? And I think me and Tyler both would answer with no. Yeah, I would say no. Um, uh, ultimately, uh, unless your league follows suit and everybody's addressing quarterback in the first three rounds, you're going to find yourself 
um, behind the eight ball at other more important positions than in a league that only starts one quarterback. So while it is nice to have Mahomes or Lamar, um, you know, I'd be more comfortable with a couple guys later in the draft and just filling out my uh, roster for those positions that I have to start two and three uh, skill players at. And, and mind you, he's asking about a redraft, one quarterback league. Superflex, yeah, I'd be okay with Mahomes or Lamar Jackson in the first round. Yeah, uh, Possibly even if it's a dynasty league, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, I would be okay with in the first round. Dynasty, I would definitely be okay with quarterbacks going that early because quarterbacks and you know wide receivers have uh, longer shelf lives, uh, tight ends as well. Running backs have the shortest shelf lives in a dynasty draft. Uh, not not to take away from their importance, but you know you would I would rather have Mahomes for the rest of his career, Jackson for the rest of his career, than you know Alvin Kamara or uh, the Miles scarcity. Sanders. The scarcity of the running back position is real in terms of the drop off. So that's what keeps their value high. But ultimately, I mean, you're not going to want to build your team solely based around uh, running backs. You do need them, but uh, in dynasty. You, uh, you definitely could be looking at other things. Kenny's second question is, who is the wide receiver one this year? Again, not a hard question to answer. The easy answer to give you is Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas last year was historic, and he has been throughout his career. His catch rate is incredible. Uh, that's something earlier that I, that I failed to mention about A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown struggles uh, with his catch rate, and I think that that's what separates Michael Thomas uh, from the pack is that his catch rate is just so incredible. He's going to catch anything thrown his way. However, at the same time, I would like to say that I could see him out of the top five. I could see the wide receiver one this year being Chris Godwin. I think that when people look at Tom Brady being there, you look at Tom Brady's obvious uh, shortcomings, that being throwing the ball deep is not his, his strong suit, but what he does do is throw the ball underneath. Last year, Julian Edelman had 100 targets, or excuse me, 100 receptions. You give Chris Godwin 100 receptions, who spends most of his time in the slot running underneath routes, and Chris Godwin easily, with his ability after the catch and his ability in the red zone, that guy could easily be looking at uh, a wide receiver one season. I could make the same argument for Devonta Adams. I think Adams is going to have a great season. I could see him being wide receiver one, uh, but I think. I would I would not be sh- I would not be shocked if Michael Thomas didn't finish in the top five. Well, listen, I mean, not everybody can be Antonio Brown on that stretch that he had. It was really unprecedented. So, I mean, the smart bet would be to take the field. But right now, you'd be silly to just say without a doubt that Michael Thomas shouldn't be the first wide receiver taken. All right, our next question comes from Caleb out of Dallas said, which rookies have the biggest bust potential in Dynasty this year based on where they landed? And th- this is a complicated question because when, when it comes to Dynasty, you know, it's gonna, you, we're not going to know if they're a bust after year one. Uh, in a redraft, it's a lot easier. Uh, you know, if you were to ask me which rookie running backs were going to bust, have the highest bust potential, uh, I would definitely say DeAndre Swift, uh, Cam Akers. However, in a Dynasty – Format. I don't know that I would say that DeAndre Swift or Cam Akers have high bust potential. Um, I think the the person that has the most bust potential is the guy who everybody's most excited about. And, and Tyler, I don't know if you agree here, but it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going so early that you're not you don't really have time to wait for this guy to start contributing. 
if he ends up being a flex running back, well, then he's a bust. I mean, he's getting drafted in, in the second round, high in the second round. In redraft. In redraft. So. And, and so in a dynasty league, if this guy goes in the first or second round and he ends up being a flex play for his career, sure, you want that kind of guy on your team. You want a guy you can put in and know I'm going to get points. I'm going to get a flex play out of it. But he's not. He's bust. He's busted from what you drafted it at. You drafted him to be an RB one, and so I think Clyde Edwards-Helaire has is the in the biggest position in a dynasty league to to be a bust. Yeah, I mean, uh, in order to be considered a bust candidate, you have to have some type of expectation or hype, um, and that's definitely what Clyde Edwards-Helaire has right now. So. You know, other guys like like Swift or, you know, Akers or whoever, you know, landed in, you know, not the most favorable spots or whatever you want to say. I mean, you know, that's somewhat reflected in ADPs. But with Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, he's, he's just climbing and climbing because everybody wants a piece of the Kansas City offense. And I don't blame him. Um, you know, it's just uh, right now where you're drafting him, he pretty much has to meet all the expectations, and that's just going to be tough to do. It could be a little slower getting going than everybody's expecting. Um, but for me, um, another guy who probably has a lot of hype around him because there's a lot of hype around this team, it's Keyshawn Vaughn uh, joining the Bucks with Brady, with Gronk. Um, you know, Rojo hasn't solidified himself as the, you know, unquestioned, you know, RB1 there, so... You know, there's some wiggle room there, and, you know, a, lot, a lot's been made of Rojo's uh, pass protecting, and, you know, Tom Brady loves throwing to his running backs, so if you can't be trusted to protect Tom Brady, you're not going to get as many chances to, bid, to be in the game during passing situations. So Keyshawn Vaughn, that's probably where he's going to get the most run, and uh, if he can really take advantage of that, then sure, he'll pay off. But I think that it's going to be a lot harder for him to get the touches that he needs to really – be a viable option for most of the season yeah in rookie drafts he's going in the first round of rookie drafts and in dynasty redrafts he's going you know probably top five top seven rounds and you know me personally where i stand on rojo is that rojo hasn't he didn't lose the job he did really well at the end of the season last year i think where we we see his obvious shortcomings in the passing game and pass protecting but you know it's been noted that he's been working on it this year he's been putting on weight to take on an extra workload and I don't know where this narrative that Keyshawn Vaughn is this great uh third down running back I know that he is he graded out well as a pass protector but it's not like Keyshawn Vaughn is James White you know Keyshawn Vaughn is is very similar to Ronald Jones and I I think that with Arian's history of being tough on rookie running backs that Rojo is going to go into the season with an opportunity to solidify himself as a as the running back to own in Tampa Bay. I think based on the way he ended last season, that he's going to do that. I, I have full confidence in Ronald Jones. The talent has always been there. He just wasn't able to get it together. And over the last uh, you know four or five, six weeks last year, he really was starting to – I mean, there was times where you're watching Ronald Jones playing like, wow, I wish I had that guy on my team. Yeah, I've been a Ronald Jones truther um, for his whole career. Um this year so far, I mean, we've only, you know, had our dynasty startup that we just did for our washed up has-beens, and uh, I didn't get a piece of them there. You I did. did. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Ronald Jones is definitely a guy, you know, at the right price. I'll be uh, I'll be scooping up maybe uh, 
maybe before some other people will. Maybe, I mean, I, I, I haven't looked at their ADPs for redraft right now. I don't know who's going first, but uh, I would still take Ronald Jones over Keyshawn Vaughn first in a redraft league for sure. Yeah, I, you know, you look at the rookie drafts, and you're probably looking at Clyde edwards Lair, Joe Burrow, and um, Tua, uh, Tua going the first three somewhere in that range, Jonathan Taylor. But I think that, I, for one, Jonathan Taylor I think will be fine. I think that Jonathan Taylor – will struggle this year because Marlon Mack's going to earn his fair share of touches, but they're not going to re-sign Marlon Mack. And Jonathan Taylor will go forward being a – I think that him and uh, him and Naeem Hines will have a one-two punch next year. You'll see Naeem Hines a lot on third down, Jonathan Taylor in there on first and second. And I could see him being a guy that – a Derrick Henry type – with just he's his he's getting most of his work on the ground and he does exceptionally well with it. So Jonathan Taylor has had a huge workload coming out of college, so I think that the Colts are gonna welcome the opportunity to continue to put tread on Marlon Mack and not be bringing him back and just slowly let Jonathan Taylor ease his way in. And so he'll be good in the future for sure. We've talked about running backs, but what about uh you know, he did ask about all all rookies. What what do you think about the receivers? Who do you think is the biggest bust potential out of the receivers? Gosh, well you know, I'm not not the biggest believer in what the what the Raiders are doing and obviously them drafting rugs first um you know he's got one of the best opportunities I think but um you know, we'll see what shakes out with their quarterbacks. Um, well, what's what's yeah? I was gonna say what's weird is they get they get rugs over Lamb and Judy, and what rugs is is a burner, mm-hmm. and what Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota both struggle with is throwing the ball deep. So yeah. I, I feel like they they got a guy who they can't utilize properly. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, other than that, uh, you know, Judy's in a crowded uh, wide receiver core uh, there in Denver, but I think that he'll ultimately be all right. Um, like I said before, I mean, you know, to be a bus candidate, you have to have some high expectations. And I think that uh, I don't know that I've noticed any getting out of control like uh, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire's expectations are. Yeah, I think for me, the easy one for me is Ruggs. I think Ruggs is going to be a bust overall. I, I don't – I like Ruggs. I think Ruggs is a great player. I think he, he landed in a spot – where he's not going to be utilized properly, and he's going to get drafted higher, way higher than a lot of people. I think Justin Jefferson is going to end up being a bust because he doesn't fit what they want to do. I think if Justin Jefferson had gone to a different team uh, like Philadelphia, even Dallas, where he can get used in the slot a lot, I think that that's where he would have excelled. But Justin Jefferson is a, a primarily a slot receiver, and they've already got Adam Thielen. And so if they're going to move him to the outside, there's going to be a huge transition for him. And and this was a guy who came out of nowhere due to the, the offensive outburst that happened at LSU last year. So I think Justin Jefferson is a, a potentially a huge bust. And I'm going to also say Jalen Rager. The reason being is because I think people are going to draft Jalen Rager really high, thinking he's going to contribute this year. But they've already said Deshaun Jackson is ahead of Jalen Rager. That as long as Deshaun Jackson is healthy, they'd rather have Jackson on the field early than Rager. I do think that that Alshon Jeffrey will start on the pup list. I don't think he's ready to play yeah, his injury. No timetable right yeah, the, and the injury that he suffered is not one that you come back from that quickly. So I think that there is there is going to be opportunity there for Jalen Rager. I don't know that I see him uh, fulfilling the expectations that are going to be put out in front of him. I will say that somebody that I think is going to be undervalued 
and should be drafted because you're going to be able to get him late is Michael Pittman Jr. in Indianapolis. The guy is big-bodied, athletic. He he fits perfectly in that offense because he's not T.Y. Hilton. He's not Paris Campbell. He's not Zach Paschal. Like he, he is the body type that A, Phillip Rivers needs, and B, they don't already have. So there's going to be an immediate need for what he offers. And he's shown his talent on the field and I think that, to me, he comps to Mike Williams, and Mike Williams did really well with Phillip Rivers. Uh, and I, so I, I think Michael Pittman's a guy you can draft real late that you're going to, especially in a dynasty, if you can get Michael Pittman in, I don't know, 12, 13, you know, even later than that, you are getting a steal. You're getting a guy who is going to contribute this year, could be a bi-week fill-in, and within one to two years he could be uh, – a top, you know, top 25, top 30 wide receiver. So uh, thanks for all the questions, guys. If you want to uh, give us a mailbag question, message us on our Instagram page or our Twitter page. Both are washed up has-beens, at washed up has-beens. If you know me and Tyler personally, just reach out to us. We'd love to answer your questions as best we can. Uh, we're going to move on to me and Tyler's, one of our favorite segments. We did this last year. It's our on-the-clock segment. Basically, it's we're going to take three guys from around the same range. If we're on the clock, who are we going to take? We're going to start out with everybody's favorite position. It's running back. We're looking at three guys going early in the second, late in the first. We're going to look at it from a dynasty and a redraft perspective. We're going to talk about Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, and Kenyon Drake. Uh, Tyler, I'm going to let you take this one first as well. All right. Well, for redraft purposes, um, I'm looking at Kenyon Drake here first, um, hands down, for – for one year, he's on a one-year deal there with them. Um, I mean, I think he's a great weapon for that offense. Um, I saw a stat the other day that he had uh, the highest percentage of rush attempts um, that he reached 15 miles an hour at uh, in the league. So, you know, he's just he's a guy that they're going to be able to get the ball to, get it to him in space, do whatever they need to do, and um, I, I think that he's going to have a great year. Um, a- after that, I would go Chubb in redraft and uh, – you know, he, he's a guy that he, he's been an elite rusher. Um, we saw he didn't really – he didn't technically get worse whenever Kareem Hunt came back, but his touchdowns dropped off. Um, you know, so that's that's pretty much the main knock on why I would take Drake over him. And then Sanders last just because Doug Peterson refuses to give a full workload to him. They, you know, they've been – there's been buzz around them and free agents. You know, Boston Scott's there. I mean, they're – I, I think he still is going to have a chance to give you high-end RB2 numbers, and he could, you know, a lot of weeks give you RB1 production, but it's just it's not going to be consistent enough to, uh, to really make me feel great about taking him over Drake or Chubb here in redraft. Yeah, redraft, I, it's actually it's really tough, but I, I have to agree on Sanders being three. I, here's the argument I'll make against what you said is that they, with all the talk, they still haven't. They still haven't signed anybody. Yeah. They didn't draft anybody. They, they didn't. You know, they they have the opportunity to bring in Devontae Freeman. He doesn't seem to want to go anywhere where he's going to have to split carries. He wants to wait for somebody to get hurt and try to get a job there. There's not, to me, any veteran running backs out there that are going to take a huge chunk out of his workload. And when he got the opportunity last year, I, I statted out his projections based on what happened after Jordan Howard went down. And if that had been a full 16-game season, he had 256 carries. He would have had 256 carries for over 1,100 yards, 64 receptions for over 650 yards. 
Uh, he did struggle to find the end zone. A big part of that was he only had 14 carries inside the 10, only six inside the five. And that's how, you know, he only had two, three touchdowns all year, two in the red zones. They, two in the red zone, they both came on his carries inside the five. That says a lot about where they're going to use him. But if you look behind him, Corey Clement, Boston Scott, those guys aren't going to take too much away from him. So I, I wouldn't be mad at you if you took Miles Sanders, but I agree that uh, there's something just doesn't feel right. It feels like Doug Peterson is going to screw that up because Doug Peterson does not historically like to use one bell, bell cow running back. Well, let me say also, you know, last year the Eagles could not buy hell. Everybody was hurt for the Eagles. So if they have Deshaun Jackson healthy, Alshon Jeffrey gets back, they added Jalen Rager. I mean, so it's not just the running back committee. You know, there just weren't very many mouths to feed there. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna, and it'll take away from his, you know, his, especially from his receiving totals. Yeah. Uh, it'll be, if he has Deshaun Jackson healthy, Rager back, uh, if Alshon Jeffrey can get healthy, if J.J. Arcega-Whiteside can step, can step up. up then yeah, you're looking at a guy who whose numbers reception wise, which is where which is what put him into this conversation, yeah. could could go down. Number two in redraft, I'm going with Kenyon Drake. Uh, I like, yeah, I understand that if you took the Cardinals running back one position last year, they'd be RB three uh, throughout the year. That 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 position was, you know, no matter what was happening, you wanted the Cardinals your running back one, and I understand that. And I think that'll be the case this year. I think that Drake will be great. I think he, however, you know, in all the touchdowns he scored, he had six touchdowns inside the five-yard line last year. But he only had eight carries inside the five-yard line. I don't see that kind of efficiency translating. And if he loses some of those touchdowns, then he's, he's fallen down the list a little bit. He wasn't uh, – he didn't put up gaudy numbers. He put up good numbers, and he had a, a good amount of volume. Mm-hmm. But I could see all of that regressing, especially with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. And what that's going to do to the passing game. But I want to give you a couple stats here. Player A had 303 carries, uh, 1,540 yards, 16 rushing touchdowns, 18 receptions, 206 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Player B had 298 carries, 1,494 yards, eight rushing touchdowns, 36 receptions, 278 receiving yards, and no rushing touchdowns. Player B is Nick Chubb. Can you tell me who player A is? No, who? It's Derrick Henry. Hmm. The difference between Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb was touchdowns. And that's it. You know, Derrick Henry's going as a top five running back, and the only difference is touchdowns. And here's a, but here's here's the other stat for you. Henry had 24 carries inside the 10. 24. Only 16 inside the five. Nick Chubb was second in the NFL with 32 carries inside the 10. And he had and somehow he only had four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. With with thirty-two carries inside the ten. For for comparison, uh, Christian McCaffrey had ten. And also had thirty-two carries. They tied for the league lead. Last year, under Stefanski, the new head coach in New in Cleveland, Dalvin Cook had thirty-one with eleven touchdowns. And that included uh, uh, nine Touchdowns from inside the five, 21 carries, which led the league inside the five. In like 14 games, too. They are going to run the ball in the red zone. And the offensive line has improved. They added players to it. They improved it. They are going – Nick Chubb's touchdown total, I think, will rise close to Derrick Henry's 16 
you know, in 18 Ooh. total. I think that Nick Chubb could easily see 14 to 16 touchdowns this year. Dang. I definitely agree there's positive regression coming in the touchdown department. That's a lot of touchdowns. I put me on. Nick Chubb's my guy for the redraft of those three. Dynasty, who are you taking in those three? Wow. Kenyon, I think we can agree Kenyon Drake's number three. Yeah. He doesn't I, have – we don't know his Kenyon future. Drake because his future if – if you told me that he got a three-year contract done with the Cardinals, it would definitely change things. I'd probably have to go Chubb first, even though he's got less contract left than Miles Sanders does. But it's just because Miles Sanders' ceiling is capped with Doug Peterson and his philosophies. So probably Chubb, Sanders, Drake. But like I said, if Drake gets a contract, I would have a much harder time with that. Yeah, I'm going Chubb first. You know, with Kareem Hunt being at the end of his, you know, his deal. They'll, they, they're not going to re-sign. I don't see them re-signing Hunt unless Hunt takes a huge discount. You know, that guy's looking for a pretty good contract. They're not going to give it to him. So they'll probably draft a guy next year that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, but, but Chubb, to me, is solidified as the Cleveland Browns starting running back. And what, is, what should be a good offense, they weren't last year, but they should be a really good offense for the next few years. Well, they got that stinker up out of the way and all the hype, and so now they should have weight lifted off their shoulders and just play football. So. Yeah, so we're going to move on now to receivers. Uh, three guys all in their second year. Well, one of them's in his third year, but basically his second year. He's non-existent his first year in the league. We're looking at DJ Chark, Debo Samuel, and Cortland Sutton. ADP for these guys. Sutton's going 52 overall, and then Chark and Debo are both at 58. So these guys are going to be on the board at the same time. Uh, I'll go ahead and take this one first for redraft. I think for this season in particular, uh, I'm going to lean Debo Samuel. Uh, the way that Debo finished last season, uh, finished with at least 12 points in every game, but one from week 10 on. And you look at the other two guys, uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, ended the year with less than 10 points in five of his last six games. Chark ended with less than 10 points in five of his last six. And the one game he didn't, he only had 12 points. And I, and I know he was struggling with some injuries. But I think that with Sutton, with the addition of Jerry Judy, uh, the new offensive coordinator in Jacksonville, and it's Jay Gruden, who's going to throw the ball less. He's not great at developing quarterbacks, as we've seen. So Gardner Minshew might take a step back. I think that Chark, I love Chark. Chark would, in terms of talent, I like Chark the most. Uh, actually, Debo, to me, of the three, is the least talented. But the thing about Debo Samuel is he's with Kyle Shanahan. What Debo Samuel does well is he runs short routes, he runs screen routes, he's a hybrid, he's the alternate of a hybrid running back who catches the ball well. He's the, the alternate of a Tariq Cohen, of a Chris Thompson. He's that for a receiver because he can run the ball which is just an added element to his game. Kyle Shanahan uses him well. So I think for redraft, I would probably go Debo, Sutton, and then Chark. Uh, Pat Shermer's the new offensive coordinator in, in Denver. Uh, he threw the ball 100 more times in, in New York than Denver did. So there's going to be – the ball's going to be in the air more in Denver. We'll see what Drew Locke does. But, you know, all three of these guys have QB question marks. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo still has his struggles, still can't throw the ball deep. 
Uh, Gardner Minshew is a, is a question mark. Drew Locke's a question mark. Where do they go? Do they take a step forward? Do they take a step back? But what I do know, no matter what, is that Debo Samuel will be used in that offense, and he'll be used in so many different ways that it's going to be hard for us not to put him in your lineup. So Debo, Sutton, Chark for me in a redraft. All right. Um, for me, uh, I, I agree. I like them all. Um, I also agree that Chark would be my third um, out of them. But for me, Sutton is going to be my number one, and it's because that second half of the year, um, he didn't have Emmanuel Sanders across from him. Uh, defenses started keying in on him, double teaming him. You know, now they drafted two more receivers and brought in Melvin Gordon. I mean, Noah Fant. I mean, they they've got a ton of ton of options there, and I think it's really going to take some of the pressure off of Cortland Sutton, and he's he's going to return the value here and uh I just really like him of course I've got him as one of my one of my receivers in dynasty but uh I I don't think that them them drafting Judy and Hamler are gonna impact him in a negative way um with Debo I agree I I like I like what they do with him um I just think that team's identity is still run the ball so that's that's part of the reason why I think that uh Sutton is going to be better than him this year. And uh, Chark, it's a story that I'd love to see. I, I hope that Gardner can get a second contract. I want to see them link up. Um, it, you know, it was really fun last year what they were doing. Brought in LaVisca Chenault. Um, you know, I think that he's going to have a good year also. None of these guys am I down on by any means. But if I had to rank them, one Sutton, two Debo, three Chark, and... Would that stay the same for Dynasty? Sutton's 24, Chark is 23, Debo is 24, 23. 23. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably still keep it uh, Sutton, Debo, Chark, um, just because, I mean, I love, the, I love the cannon and the upside of Drew Locke. And like I said, I mean, those weapons there, they clearly are going to have to keep pace with the Chiefs. That's what, they, that's what they're trying to do. They, they said... Screw defense. There's not. There's no stopping Mahomes. So let's just load up on offense, and they're going to have to use it. So I think uh, what's weird is is you know Debo Sutton Chark is how I feel for redraft this year because I know that to me the floor for Debo is higher um, than than the other. He's two. got the more stable quarterback yes. situation. Dynasty, however, I would go Cortland Sutton, maybe even DJ Chark over. Over Debo, one because of the, the there is a ton of potential in Denver. If Drew Locke is who you know we saw glimpses of last year and has that cannon, yeah, Cortland Sutton, Drew Locke, Jerry Judy, get a hold of anybody in that offense you can get. Noah Fant. But to me, that kind of uh, you know, it's just vol too volatile for me to say that. I want him over Debo this year. You know, at this point in the draft, in a redraft, you're looking at you're hope, hopefully you're looking at wide receiver too. I I would think you'd have a wide receiver by this point. There's a there's a chance that you've gone running back, tight end, running back, and now you're looking at your first receiver. If that's the case, then you you might take the risk at Sutton if you're that kind of guy. But either way, I think Debo has the floor that I want. But for dynasty purposes, probably my second wide receiver. I'm going to take a guy who. Hey, he, he could end up being a wide receiver one, and he's young and has this you know massive potential because the Denver offense, 
to me, is is up there with an offense that has the most potential in the league. Uh, Cincinnati, you can make an argument for that. That offense could end up blowing up in the next two years and be incredible. Uh, but Denver is an offense that you potentially want a piece of, and now might be the time to get Sutton when he's you know in the fourth round, fifth round, rather than uh, you know taking him, you know letting him go and taking a guy like Debo and watching Sutton become wide receiver one. And Debo could finish his career being a wide receiver two flex guy, and you get that floor for the rest of your career. And Debo is a wide receiver one, or he's you know ends up being a guy who kind of fades off because the offense never clicks. So I think Sutton, Sutton, Debo, Chark is how I'd view dynasty. If you took Chark over Debo, I'd, I'd be okay with that too in a dynasty draft. Uh, moving on, we've got a few ninth-round quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to have to crack open our history books here. we got a few old guys that go back a little ways. we got Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady is not a New England Patriot. Tampa Bay Buccaneer Tom Brady in the third trimester of his career. Uh, and then we have uh, Matt Ryan with Atlanta, Drew Brees in, in New Orleans. Tyler, go ahead and take this one. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, Brady with Gronk, um, potentially the most elite uh, combination of weapons that he's ever had. Um, it, I, I, look, I really like it. There's a lot of hype there. I think to get him in the ninth uh, would not be a travesty. Um, you'd have the rest of your team pretty much solidified. You'd be looking for depth, and he's a guy here that should offer you a really safe floor. Um, Matt Ryan, you know what he does. Um, the last six years or so, um, every other year, in the even years, he puts together a, a high-end quarterback one performance, whether that be finishing second two out of the last four years, whether that be turning in a seventh uh, seventh finish, you know, anything like that. Um, I think that he has upgraded his weapons over last year. I mean, we've seen Devonta Freeman just flailing around there in, in – uh, in Atlanta the last few years after busting out and getting his contract. And uh, now we've got a guy with something to prove in uh, Todd Gurley getting there. I think that's going to help. I really like the addition of Hayden Hurst. I think that he's going to slot right in for Hooper. That's going to be a good combination. They're already running routes together. Matt Ryan has uh, been holding workouts for his team. Uh, I think he's going to have a great year. And Breeze, we're just going to see more of the same. He's going to be a great play. High floor, uh, can win you weeks. Uh, these are all three great options here, but I would go Matt Ryan one, Drew Brees two, and Brady three. Yeah, I <clears throat> I love what Tom Brady has around him. I'm very, very big on, on the Buccaneers offense. I love Ronald Jones. I love Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin to me is, is uh, the number one receiver to own in Dynasty. I think that he fits perfectly with what Tom Brady wants to do. And no disrespect to Julian Edelman, but this is the best underneath receiver that Tom Brady's ever had. Uh, and, and, and that's saying something about Chris Godwin. It's not taking anything away from Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman is incredible. Danny Amendola was incredible. Wes Welker was incredible. But Chris Godwin underneath is an incredible receiver, an incredible talent. And I think that them two together are going to have a, a great year. Gronk. Is he Gronk you know, of, of years past? I don't know, but they still have O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid. You know, those guys are competent NFL tight ends. O.J. Howard, maybe he just needs the right quarterback because O.J. Howard is immensely athletic, and he should be way better than he is in the receiving game. Uh, 
you go on to, to Matt Ryan, I agree with you on, on the weapons he's added. I will argue that, uh, you know, I, it's hard to argue against the even year uh, QB1 for, for Matt Ryan because I, I made that argument last year. I was pretty correct. Uh, and then what I will say is that Drew Brees, I think, is easily the number three in this conversation. Uh, for for redraft and dynasty, I think of the three that's going to retire first, it's Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees is the first one to oh, go. This is his last year, and I think that yes, you say, oh well, he's finally has a competent second receiver in Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is any better than Ted Ginn was uh, in the, you know at their this time in his career. Well, I would disagree. I thought Emmanuel Sanders was pretty good in San Francisco last year, and he was having a pretty good year in Denver. So now get him the best quarterback out of those other two situations, I think that he's... he's I, I, I think I don't think Ted Ginn has ever been bad. I think Ted Ginn's a, a pretty solid guy. He runs the deep route better than almost anybody. He's a nine-route guy. I like Ted Ginn, but I don't see them being that much different. Uh, I don't think Emmanuel Sanders... The, the other, Honestly, I think it kind of takes away from Drew Brees because Emmanuel Sanders doesn't run the deep route like Ted Ginn does. He doesn't have that breakaway speed. Emmanuel Sanders is an older Michael Thomas. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what having those guys on both sides is going to do for him, is going to help him, is going to hurt him. I think he would benefit from having a burner because Drew Brees, no matter how old he is, can still sling the football. I don't think they are going to – I don't think they're going to throw the ball like they have – like they've, they've showed over time this uh, decrease in pass attempts, and I think it's only going to go down. I think Kamara being healthy, he's going to get the ball more on the ground. Latavius Murray is going to get the ball on the ground. You know, they brought in Ty Montgomery as an insurance plan for Alvin Kamara, and no, he's not Alvin Kamara anywhere close. But he is a player that fits the same mold as Alvin Kamara, so obviously they're preparing to give Alvin Kamara the ball more, back to what they used to. I think we're looking at Drew Brees of two years ago, where he didn't finish that high because they were running the ball so much, because they were scoring so many touchdowns on the ground. So I think Drew Brees is number three. I, I'm going to go Tom Brady, number one. I, I'm, I'm not sleeping on Tom Brady. So in a redraft, I'm going Tom Brady, uh, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. I think what, just what Brady has around him is and, – and in Bruce Arians' offense, that's a, an offense that is always explosive and will find ways to score points. And it's going to be based around Tom Brady and what he does. So I, I think Tom Brady goes first out of those three. Dynasty, I'll go ahead and bump Matt Ryan above Tom Brady because I think Matt Ryan's got a few years left in the tank. A few more years than Tom Brady, maybe. Tom Brady might play till he's 45, I don't know. But uh, I think that, that in a dynasty draft, I don't think they're so far apart that I wouldn't take Matt Ryan as my – and for those of you wondering like why we would even take an, a guy like that in, in, uh, re, in a dynasty league, I guess I'm thinking more of a super flex uh, when you want two QBs. Uh, but also – your window to win in a dynasty league is two to three years. You know, that's the kind of window you're, you're kind of trying to repeat windows of two to three years. And Matt Ryan is right now, you know, especially if you went started this year, I think he's got three years left in his, you know, in his tank to win. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would definitely have Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan easily is above them in, in dynasty, dynasty drafts. Agreed. Uh, lastly, we're going to take a look at the tight end position. These guys aren't going in the same round. They're going the 12th, 13th, and 14th, which to me is, is a, uh, a big part of this decision is, is where do, where do, what do I want to do because I think the talent level 
can be seen at all three levels that they're different. But we're going to start with Mike Jasicki going in the 12th, John U. Smith going in the 13th, and Blake Jarwin of our Dallas Cowboys going in the 14th. Tyler, go ahead and take this one. All right, I've got a lot to say in a little bit of time. Um, I did a pretty in-depth dive of the potential of the Cowboys offense. Obviously, they have the second most uh, vacated targets uh, with with um, Randall Cobb and uh, Jason Witten leaving. So uh, I'm not just handing Jarwin all of Witten's work and calling it a day because that would be close to 900 yards. Um, but I will say that I'm going to get pretty close. Um, I think that he's going to have – around 68 receptions for 824 yards, maybe six touchdowns. Um, He's not going to quite get 100 targets, but, uh, I mean, the Dallas tight end position last year had a 20% target share, and this is only projecting for 16%. And so that's kind of baking in that they added uh, CeeDee Lamb in, which I hope that, you know, he gets out there in a lot of um, three-wide receiver sets. Um, So, you know, you're going to have CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. I don't see anybody – hurting this year for work. I think that they're all going to get their share, and I think that Jarwin is going to be – he's going to get close to a top five tight end this year. Um, He's going to be somewhere between tight end five to eight. That's uh, bold. That's bold. You think Blake Jarwin's going to be a top eight tight end? Yes. Wow, that's bold. Yeah, could be homery. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a little homery. I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't I'm sitting here that. telling you the numbers. They had a 20% target share last year. I'm only projecting them with 16% of that. But I, I don't think that I don't think that he's going to get all that. I think that we'll see some of these other guys who we don't, you know. Sure, maybe they still get 20% of the target share, and he he, he misses out on 4% of it. And I targets. think that maybe we start using C.D. Lamb more. C.D. Lamb's going to take up more than Randall Cobb did of the target share percentage. We still got to feed Michael Gallup. I think that cuts into Blake Jarwin, not into – uh, the other receivers. I don't, I don't have any of them getting cut. Um, anyway, uh, Jonu for the Titans, uh, their tight end position had uh, 76 receptions on 107 targets for 948 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, it's, you know, another, another thing, um, I know that Alec projects their uh, pass attempts to go up more than I do. Uh, but I think that you know we're going to see all three of these guys somewhere between 750 and 850 yards, um, and then the touchdowns are probably going to be what sets them apart. Um, I wouldn't mind drafting any of them around this time. I would probably go Jarwin, Gesicki, Janu, and that's uh, I'll be honest, that's probably just because I would want to have uh, Jarwin over those other guys. But any of them have opportunity here, and uh, – uh, I think they've all got great upside to uh, finish in the top ten of tight ends for sure. You know, for me, I want I want to look at the numbers. I want to look at are Delaney Walker from 2013 and 2017. Delaney Walker's worst year in Tennessee was 2013's first year. Uh, was kind of an unknown at that point. hadn't done much while he was in San Francisco. He had 60 receptions for 571 yards and six touchdowns. That was his first year. After that, he never had less than 800 yards. And he had over 60, 63 or more catches in every single year. And that offense, the way it is now, who, who are you going to throw the ball to beside J.J. Brown? Corey Davis? That sounds miserable. I would much rather throw the ball to Jonu Smith. Um, you look at some of the, uh, the other guys that are 
you know, to me, Blake Jarwin is at the bottom of this list. I don't, I don't want Blake Jarwin. I understand the opportunity, but I don't think it's going to. I don't think that we're going to see him get it, like we think he will. Um, I do want to take a look. You look at Mike Jasicki. I love Mike Jasicki's talent. I love what he, <clears throat> what he does, and what he's able to do uh, athletically. I think that he's. He's going to have Fitzmagic with him for a good amount of time. Fitzmagic makes things happen. But Fitzmagic also isn't really known to feed the tight ends. He's more of a feed receiver position. And if you look around that time in the draft, I can get guys like Michael Pittman Jr. I can get Preston Williams. Uh, I can get Deshaun Jackson. I can get Anthony Miller. All guys I would rather have over Jasicki in the 12th. Uh, you could you could take a quarterback there. There's a lot of quarterback options. Um there's not really any any running back options. Maybe Tony Pollard if you want him. You could take a shot at Daryl Henderson. Uh, Zach Moss might be available. Antonio Gibson. I would rather take any of those guys in the 12th round over Jasicki. When I get to the 13th round, i got to get a tight end, and then I'm choosing, okay, do I wait one more round and take Jarwin, or do I take Jonu Smith? Jonu Smith, I think, is going to be a top eight tight end, not Blake Jarwin. And if I can get that in the thir- 13th round, I'm more than happy. I think Jonu Smith and Jasicki – uh, Jasicki have the, the same opportunity to be top eight tight ends with their talent, with their athleticism. Because that's the other thing, too. I don't, I don't feel that Blake Jarwin is this super talented pass catcher. Uh, the opportunity is there, but I don't, I don't think that that's you know, going to be something that Blake Jarwin is. He's not, he doesn't excel at anything. This guy watched Blake Jarwin a lot. He's not a great pass blocker or a great run blocker. He's not a great receiver. I, I just don't have the faith in Blake Jarwin that Tyler has. But I do have a lot of faith in Jonu Smith. I love the Tennessee offense. I think that they are going to be very, very good. I think with the attention that Derek Derrick Henry takes, uh, that it, it opens it up for the tight end through uh, different uh, play action plays and all that stuff. So for me, it's Janu, Jacecki, Jarwin. That translates for me also into Dynasty. It's the same exact thing. Uh, easily, well, Jarwin at the bottom for me. I don't tell. I don't know if that changes for you in Dynasty. Um, you know, I'm just. I'm not going to be able to put Gasicki for sure as my number one or anything in Dynasty until I see what he's got going on with Tua. Uh, I just yeah, I, I like I like the upside of you know Fitzpatrick for any fantasy um, you know receiver type guys, but um, yeah, I just I have no idea what is what it's going to look like with Tua. Um, Johnny, I will say, you know, the Titans. Tight end stats from last year were the most favorable out of all three of these. So you know if he can just harness the majority of that, instead of it being spread between like four or five guys like it was, um, you know, then he he definitely he probably has the most likely chance to finish the highest out of these three guys. And I know that Blake Jarwin's a long shot, but he's my guy. I think all uh, both of us would agree that above all three of these guys, take Hayden Hurst whenever you can because he's going to be oh, yes. way undervalued in this draft. Definitely. But that's the last piece of advice we have for you. Thanks for joining us here on the Washed Up Has-Beens podcast. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. Be sure to hit us up on our Instagram or Twitter at Washed Up Has-Beens. Uh, let us know if you have any questions you want us to answer in our mailbag section. We hope you enjoyed the show. It was good to be back, good to talk football. Any last words, Tyler? Peace out. Have a good night, guys.